Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to episode 134 with my guest Pigeon, who is a, uh, a listener and transgender. Uh, I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour. Two hours of honesty about all the battles in our heads from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas and sexual abuse to everyday compulsive negative thinking. This show is not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. It's not a doctor's office. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. The website for this show is mentalpod.com. It's also the Twitter name that you can follow me at. Uh, please go check out the website. You can join the forum. You can read blogs by me and uh, and guests on a variety of topics. You can fill out one of the many surveys that we read on the on the show. And you can also support the show by, uh, by going there. And we have a winner for this week's um, cutting board raffle. Um, the uh, which was open to uh, transcribers and monthly donors and uh, the number uh, that I had picked was 253 and the winner is Cheryl Gendron uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right who guessed 254 so um, I'll be sending her that uh, that cutting board congratulations Cheryl and uh, thanks uh, to all of you who sent your numbers in but uh, you didn't get it so suck it oh that seemed a little harsh um want to remind you that LA Podfest is coming up um, October 4th through 6th, and um, that's in LA at the Sheraton Delfina. I think they still have rooms available, but the discounted rate, um, that window closed. Um, and my guest is going to be Aisha Tyler, um, and we're doing our interview on noon, Sunday, October 6th. I'm also going to be a guest on uh, Mark Marin's WTF uh, taping that Friday night at 7 o'clock. So um, come say hi. And uh, I may also have some time to record listeners who, who happen to be there. I know there's one guy in particular um, who I'm going to record when I'm there. All right. Here's a survey. That, and if you, if you got kids, you're listening in the car right now, you might want to pause it. This is from the Body Shame uh, survey filled out by uh, a woman who calls herself Suffering in Heaven. She is... Um, in her 20s. And she writes, um, 
to the question, what do you like or dislike about your body and why? She writes, I love my pussy. Uh, I feel like it's organically beautiful just because it's my pussy. Uh, but I feel like it looks, quote, wrong after seeing an obvious bleach job in porn. Whenever I feel bad about how I look down there, I remind myself how little girls in other countries are held down and forced to have their clit and labias cut off, and it makes me feel like I should appreciate myself more because it could be so much worse. My mom made me feel so dirty about having a pussy um, because of her own shame. Sometimes I look at it in the mirror and I play with her because it reminds me that I can enjoy her. She's mine to do with what I please, and people can try to hurt her, but I can heal her. My pussy is symbolic of all my struggles because it's been abused, neglected, shamed, and it still responds to love, nurturing, and praise. This culture that tells women their pussies aren't cute the way they are is sickening. Anyone who thinks women need to get surgery down there can seriously suck my fucking cunt. To which I would also add, anybody that doesn't want to be with you because of the color of your asshole is a fucking asshole. Every human being has weird thoughts going through their head. Oh, God, it's so embarrassing. I'm afraid I'll never get another job again. That I will die and will have not been special. My brain has the gift of seeing the terrible. A million-pound tourniquet being turned against my chest that was constant. Then I started sabotaging my own career. Wanting to die and... To stop him from feeling any joy. <laughs> that is... Very uncomfortable in my own body. I ended up becoming a male prostitute. And what I became was an animal. They took away my shoelaces. I became chaos. Like it hurts. I just want to go. I just want to leave. You have no idea what a small part of your life this is. If you go to a support group, it's like creating a family that you didn't have. I mean, life is 1% event. My body was abused. 99% judgment about that event. But they couldn't touch the best parts of me. But the world is a little bit wounding. It's also glorious. It does always get better. It really does. I'm here with uh, Pigeon. Which yeah. is her um, her nickname? Yeah, and yeah. you also post on the forum as pigeon. I, as well. I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought it'd be good, you know, so that people can find me if they have any questions or anything. You are uh, twenty eight years old. You're a student mm-hmm. living at home. Yeah, and you identi- identify uh, your your sex is female, but you identify Correct. as gender queer. Correct. Yeah. And could you explain for our guests um, what what that means? What that means? Um, it's it's sort of in between male and female. Um, it means that I don't identify as very strongly, um, strongly as either um, gender. Um, Being masculine or feminine. Exactly, exactly. Um, because gender is kind of a, a social structure. Um, but I... So I... I I feel like um, I actually feel very fluid. Um, another term that I like to use is gender fluid. Um, it means that it, sometimes I would like I like to express myself more femininely, um, and sometimes I express myself more masculinely. And when you say express yourself by the way you dress, by the what, how by what? Yeah, um, mostly I dress. Um, very masculine. Um, sometimes, very rarely, you know, I, I feel in the mood to wear a skirt or a dress, but generally look like I'm in drag. Mm-hmm. And I generally feel a little bit like I'm, it feels mm-hmm. like play to me. Mm-hmm. Um, when when I'm dressing um, as a female, I, f- uh, you know, makeup and everything, um, it feels like I'm wearing a costume. It feels like I'm pretending and, and it's almost like, 
I don't even want to say like like party wear or something, you know, sure. anything like that. But you know, occasionally I just feel like being girly, you know. Um, but it is very rare, and it's getting rarer as I, uh, exp- you know, I get more in tune with who I am, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more of an energy thing, I would say. Like it's it's the way that I feel inside. Like sometimes, and it just it's the way you carry yourself. It's the way that you talk to other people. Um, Can you be more specific? Sure. Um, I tend to speak with a higher voice um, when I'm feeling more feminine. My actual speaking voice is more like this when I'm nervous. But um, when I'm more comfortable, I I speak in a lower register. Um, But um, sometimes when I'm out and about, like when I'm um, shopping or anything, and people perceive me as female, I tend to... um, over feminine, you know, like I, I become over feminine and almost bubbly sometimes. Um, I get a higher voice. Um, I what, smile a lot more. Why do you think that is? I think it's more acceptable. Um, when people perceive me as female, they want to see me as female. So I, I tend to um, make myself more, you know, and it's it feels more acceptable, you know. I, I acceptable for them for them. So yeah. you you're anticipating. A puzzled look on their face that you want to avoid exactly. because it would make yeah. both of you uncomfortable, or just them uncomfortable. Just them uncomfortable, because I'm not I'm not uncomfortable with confusion. I actually like when I get called sir, and then I get that moment of when they see my boobs, and you know they they like get panicky and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, and I'm like, it's it's really not a big deal. I wouldn't dress this way if I thought that you know if I was like concerned that people were gonna think I'm a man, you know. Um, I, I'm, I'm very particular about the way I, I dress and I present myself. It's not a big deal if you, you know, if you think I'm a man, it's not a big deal to me. If you think I'm a woman, but I prefer, you know, when I'm perceived as a man. Uh, let's talk about the, the, the language. Um, sure. The trans, you were explaining to me on the way over, right. is an umbrella that people who would be transsexual, uh, right. genderqueer, um, um, people who feel that they're in the wrong body but haven't right. had any type of um, surgery, surgery done. Or, or, or um, hormones or anything that have done anything physical. Um, it's, yeah, trans um, is the shortening generally for transgender. Um, and it really just means anybody who is outside of the the sex, the gender, you know, the sex, I guess, that they were assigned at birth, um, where uh, gender is more of, I suppose the uh feeling you know where sex is is more of the physical attributes se- uh, gender is um how you how you feel inside you know yeah. and how you express yourself and, and then the there, social structure and then there is uh what would you call it sexuality your preference correct. yeah of of and you identify as pansexual correct um i i identify as pansexual um it's it's like bisexual but it, but greedier. But greedier, exactly. Um, it, it means that I'm attracted to other gender queers, uh, or yeah, have we gotten to that? I can't remember yeah. already. Um, but other trans people, I should say, um, including other other trans people or only trans people. No, including trans people. Okay, so um, you're uh, attracted to straight men, straight women. Um, less so to straight men. Um, it's more of a personality thing. Um, I tend to, uh, like gay men, um, quite a bit. <laughs> um, I, I get along with straight men. Um, I, I usually make friends really easily with straight men. Um, 
but I'm not generally attracted to them. But again, I like I like saying I'm pansexual too because it means that I'm open to the possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, I I'm that's that's what I really identify with um, both pansexual and genderqueer is um, it's really open to the possibility of change and the possibility of meeting someone that I just really um, connect with. That's beautiful because <laughs> I, I mean ultimately. That's what it should be about is the connection to that person's right. soul and their exactly. their body um, should be secondary while important because, you know, that's what turns us on. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I think any type of lasting relationship is really based on that person's spirit. Yeah. Um, so um, forgive me for um, sounding like an ignoramus. <laughs> Don't even. But um, I, I want to ask all the questions not Absolutely. only that I have, but I know that the listeners will have Absolutely. because I feel yeah. like trans people are a, a forgotten segment of our of our society. Yeah. And, and, I, and I want there to be um, I want to understand them more and I want our listeners to understand them more and I want Definitely. them to feel more understood. So mm-hmm. um, let's say you're attracted to a gay man. Oh. Um, there's no issue with you having female body parts see that that there is i mean um for me there's not any issue but i've never um really i, I mean guess, on their part on their part probably i mean it really depends on the person i've never been in a relationship with a gay man um well yeah um because it's you know it's it's, it's my body you know it, unfortunately it's the way i appear and um, have you ever been intimate with a with a gay man? You know, I've been I've been interested, but there's no interests, you know, towards me. Gotcha. Um, so I've I've I really I, I you know I I don't say I flirt with gay men, but um, I I there's an interest there, and I really like and enjoy talking to gay men. Um, but there's just not. I mean, you can tell when somebody's just not into you, mm-hmm. and and um, it's it's never been. I guess reciprocated, you know, okay. that interest. Let's let's talk um, about terminology. Okay. Um, give our our listeners and me a crash course. A crash in, course in terminology. Yeah. All right. Um, so we talked about trans already. Mm-hmm. Um, transsexual is. And, and, um, and, and talk about all the classifications. That would fit underneath that umbrella. That umbrella. And, and one of the things yeah. we talked about on the way over here was that you don't speak for everybody. Exactly. This is, you know, this is my experience, your experience, yeah. and your your own opinions. But yeah. they're certainly much more well informed than <laughs> um, anybody who. Yeah. Who... I, and I and I I did a lot of research on it too because you know when I was questioning when I was uh, confused and just felt alone. Um, I really found a good resource online. And so I know a lot of the terminology, even if I don't Do you remember that resource. Um, you know what, um, for, um, sports illustrated, you know, yeah. You yeah. Know. Um, but, um, for gender queers, uh, there's actually a really good YouTube channel. Um, it's called gender queer chat and it's like a panel of, um, so many people, but I think it's seven people because I think they do one a day, but they do a question a week and they just talk. And they just talk about, you know, their uh, process. They talk about um, where they, you know, what they feel. Um, and it's it's really helped me when I was questioning. And um, There's no nothing like hearing somebody's experience yeah. to soothe you. You, yeah. can, you can read all the books you want. And while they can be helpful, there nothing really 
soothes your soul yeah. like hearing another person's experience yeah but go ahead because you make well because like and you say it a lot but you you feel less alone and um hearing the things that made you feel so different like your whole life hearing somebody just say it you know just like there's somebody else out there it's the greatest yeah it's lovely it's i love it i love it um but um so that's a good resource that is a very good resource um gender fork i think is um i can't remember what the website is, is it? um but you can google yeah, I'm search sure you it. Can google it um but it's just people posting um just about being um outside of the the gender boundaries um other than that um i didn't find i didn't feel like i found a lot of good um trans in general um i mean there's a lot of people on youtube um yeah. both um trans men and trans women um, on YouTube talking about their um, transition and stuff, which is really interesting and it's really uh, helpful. Um, So a man that would dress in women's attire, um, even if it's just going out on the weekends, mm -hmm. but is only attracted to women, Mm -hmm. um, he would be considered genderqueer? Or... Um, Possibly. Um, the thing is, is, is with uh, these terms, it's really up to the person what what they identify as. Um, it's it, it it could just be gender play, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they could not identify personally as a woman; they just enjoy the clothes, or um, they. It, it just really depends on how they feel. Like if they feel that they're really embodying a female spirit um, when um, they're dressing uh, up and um, like. Um, um, like like the drag culture, um, drag yeah. kings, drag queens, um, they could be considered uh, gender queer if if they feel like you know that's that's a good label for them. But it's hard to put labels on other people. It's really you know about choosing mm-hmm. your own. I'm I'm always a little um, not shocked, but a little puzzled at the embrace of the word queer because growing up it was such a derogatory term yeah i think the idea really has been um to take back the word you know is the idea um that um but it's fun to say i mean it's it's a beautiful word so i think i think it was too good to to uh you know i guess put in the closet um but um it's 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 a great word and i think um it's fallen out of favor as a as a um derogatory term um so a lot of the 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 younger um people you know people coming out right now you know people that are are experiencing um their gender differences now um didn't really have that shouted at them or you know so i think um a lot of with with a lot of people that probably had that used against them are probably not going to like that term and i and i respect that you know um there's a lot of terms that people use that, you know, if if you ever had that used against you as a weapon, you know, that word used against you, you're definitely not going to like it. You know, um, I never had queer um, yelled at me. Um, so it's a word that I actually enjoy. Um, but yeah. One of the things that um, I've been educated about <laughs> i knew that tranny was an offensive word it is, yeah. i didn't know until recently that she male um was an offensive word and yeah. is really just kind of exclusively porn related it is, and yeah. i've apologized to my <laughs> listeners for um for using it I, yeah. I they know that my my intent wasn't to uh, to demean them but they just kind of wanted to uh, uh, yeah. alert me to that what yeah. are some other terms that people um should 
that that, uh, that some people mistake that they think yeah. is okay, but sometimes transsexual. It depends on the person. Um, sometimes uh, transsexual isn't isn't really um, liked. Um, they prefer transgender, um, or I, I guess technically. Well, to me, um, when I think of transsexual, and this is not for everybody, it's it's a kind of a. Um, I guess a word that that means different things to different people. Um, I always think me, of it as somebody that has had a sex change operation. Yeah, I think of it as somebody who is physically changing, or representative of the physical change. Because somebody could be, you know, I think I think transgender really is changing the way that you, um, I guess, uh, I want to say act, you know, or present. Um, you could say, um, whereas transsexual really is just saying the physical. Changes. My body, my is, body has been changed into, um, you know, what it was supposed to be. Would that also include people who want their bodies to be changed, but hasn't haven't physically changed them? Um, see, and this is this is the way that I use the word. If I were to use the word, um, I I would say that somebody who wants to, yeah, probably, um, or has started, you know, hormone therapy, you know, t- in order to, um, but. Um, yeah, I would say anybody who desired would be, but um, really, you want to be careful with that word because some people, um, it because it's been used um, sometimes in a derogatory, you know. Would a safe word, if you don't know, if you don't how know. to refer to, to to call somebody trans? Yeah, trans is very, you know, it's because it's it's the shortening, and you don't know, you know, it could be transgender, it could be transsexual, whatever the, but. Um, yeah, that's 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 generally the term I use is trans. Okay. Um, not only because it's shorter, but and it's another uh, um, distinction to mm. make should be that there are also people who've been born with um, both genitalia. Uh, sometimes right. some of it outside their body, some of it inside their body, right. and those people are identified as intersex. Correct. Yeah. Um, in the um, the long. I think it's I I hate when I leave them out. I think it's LGBTQIA, and there might be two I's, two A's, but um, it's it's lesbian um by <laughs> lesbian gay by trans intersex, and then either it could be questioning or queer, and then ally or um asexual. Uh, I'm sorry, there the rest of those are late to the party, and I'm cutting them out. <laughs> I've got. I can remember four. I've been there. Yeah. Um, no, actually, I, 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 you know, I could say trans, um, but one of them is questioning it. Uh, but it could be queer, and and it's it the. There is. The, a, I was just going to interrupt. There is a great documentary before I forget called mm. Orchids um, oh, about um, people that are uh, intersex. Oh wow! And it's really really great. Yeah. So. Um, Check it out. I'm sure it's yeah, available definitely, online. Definitely. I think it was on HBO. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but go ahead. And I, I, oh I no. Um. Yeah. That, that's that's fascinating. And um. Unfortunately, a lot of people um end up with a lot of confusion because some um doctors and things will still just basically choose the sex for them um at birth to make it easier, you know, so that they can be raised as you know whatever gender that. You know, it's chosen for them, and yeah, and and there's so much, you know, especially if they're not told, you know, um, it's just, but you know, I I really think um, that that's really harmful, you know, mm-hmm. to to choose for somebody their gender, and um, but but in a certain way, aren't they saving them some of that torture from their peers and, in and, grade school? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, the, I, and obviously, yeah, by it, committing to to one yeah, or the to other, yeah, to one, um, to to save them, yeah, because it would be heartache, you know, I'm sure. Um, and but it's such a responsibility just to to choose something for somebody yeah. else like that. I mean, obviously, parents make choices like that all the time, but that's such a permanent, you know, choice to make for somebody. But um, it, th- there's there's a lot of things that that are like that to to you know for any parent really. Um, to, um, I guess put your child in the line of fire in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of parents make a lot of choices just so that, you know, I mean, a a very feminine boy or a very masculine girl could be, you know, told, no, you you gotta, you gotta dress, you know, like this, you gotta make just so that they don't get, um, I think that's so common in the parent. Yeah has great intention oh yeah and absolutely and, and i don't want to put parents down like that because definitely they're they're trying to do what's best for their kid and that's they, they they believe that that's what's best and mm-hmm. but sometimes it can be really harmful so let's talk about your childhood okay. and the evolution of you coming to um do you feel like you're at peace with um your sexuality and your gender fluidity um i feel like it's a journey um at this point um i feel like um I'm happy with where I am, um, but there might become. I, I, I'm I'm open to the possibility of there becoming a time when um, I decide to be uh, to to transition fully to male. Um, I know that when I just in terms of your gender, not in terms of your body. I might. <laughs> I've I've thought about getting top surgery, which is when you remove the breast tissue. Um, I th- there's part of me that really would. I don't know. There's there's part of me that thinks about um, possibly having what some people call bottom surgery, which is having a penis, you know, mm-hmm. a penis created um, because and they they create it out of your uh, uh, existing. Yeah, um, I, I think um, I looked into it a long time ago, so um, technology might have changed, um, but um, they usually use uh, the clitoris to make the head of the penis. Um, and take skin. I think I don't know. Remember if it's um, if they take um, vaginal tissue for the shaft, or if they take sp- tissue from somewhere else. But they can't really make it that big at this point, um, unless you get. Um, I think there's a like a almost like a tube that you use mm-hmm. a pump for to you know get an erection. But um, and and that way you can kind of have it bigger. But then you you have the the. You know, you have something in you, you know, like right. a, a tube or whatever. I can't remember exactly what it is. But um, it was a long time ago. And then once a month, you've got to go to Jiffy Lube, which right? is always awkward. Yeah. God. The dipstick is just no. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think about, when you think about that, mm-hmm. um, what thoughts and feelings um, come up, positive and negative? Yeah. It's um, – it tends to be actually um, when it comes to sex – um, because when I'm just walking, because I I never really felt um, one of the reasons I never really identified as uh, a trans man is I never really had any um, what's called body dysmorphia, where I hated you know um, my vagina or I hated my breasts. Um, I mostly just feel like I don't um, that they they don't belong to me, um, that I don't feel like I'm present in my body when um, you know my breasts are. I don't want to say exposed, but um, I bind. Um, I well, I, I I wear a very restrictive bra um, because I feel more comfortable when I don't feel like they are 
um, I guess, visible or uh, prominent. Um, but I never really had that feeling of just like um, some, I know some um, trans men, trans women um, hate hate their genitalia hate you know if, if the trans man hate their breasts you know some people self-mutilate you know it gets to that point you know fixation and I've never had that you know I, I've just um mostly I just felt uncomfortable with my body um just like when you have like a really itchy shirt on and you're mm-hmm. just kind of you know or, or it just doesn't look right on you and, and you're like this this isn't me um but I can deal with it you know but it but it doesn't go into hating your body. No, it just it goes into to just this isn't right, you know. Okay. And um, for me, you know, yeah. I know, I know that's not everybody's experience. Um, the only difference is when um, I am sexually active. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Um, Why? But I, I don't know. It's, it sounds clinical, I guess. Um, but um, would you prefer getting it on? Getting it on, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like there's something missing. Like, I feel like there's things that I want to do and with, you know, my partner or, you know, when I'm by myself, um, there's just, I'm just, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm going for something that's not there, you know? I got you. And I, I, it, in terms it takes of ex- you out of it. In terms of expressing yourself or anatomy? Anatomy. Okay. Um, I know, I know there's, you know, there's, there's, there's ways to, um, I guess use a surrogate penis or whatever, you know. Like a strap-on? Yeah, like a strap-on. Or, or, you know, just um, using your hands or whatever like it is, you know, a penis or... um, And and I've seen... (laughs) There's actually um, a lot of queer porn out there right now. Um, It's it's kind of an exciting movement. Um, There's a a sex-positive queer porn movement right now and it's it's really cool. Um, And when you say queer porn movement, you mean genderqueer as opposed to um, queer... Um, what we consider stereotypical actually, lesbian or gay men. Actually, it's, it's Because I think we all know that there's, <laughs> yeah. there's gay and lesbian porn out there. Yeah. That's not a newsflash. Oh, but it's... Okay. The thing is, though, lesbian porn, uh, lesbian porn that's, that's uh, for men is not sex. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's... It's bad just, acting. It's horrible acting. With bad and, lighting. Yeah. <laughs> horrible Which is lighting. a nice yeah. accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was watching this one, and um, this one, like, horrible lesbian porn, because I, I was trying to find something for myself, you know, and, you know, I was young. Um, but, um... And it was just, like, this woman with her head in another woman's lap just kind of, like, moving her head around. And I was like, they're not doing anything. Like, all no. she's doing all she's doing is just, Messing like, her hair up. Exactly. <laughs> I was just like, that, that's not sex. But um, the queer porn movement is actually, um, it's its everybody. You know, it's, it's trans um, people. It's um, gays, lesbians, everybody. Um, and it's really um, realistic basically just watching how people have sex because really porn is more about you know arousal whereas um some of the queer porn is is very like kind of like amateur stuff where it's people just having sex you know and 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 it's very you know well okay some not all of it's positive you know um but um it's it's very open and um and you get a sense that it's organic and it's created by people that um, are expressing themselves, yeah. not trying to please exactly. the people that are watching it. Yeah, they're trying to please the person that they're with, you know, yeah. and that's hot, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And you know also that um, a lot of these people aren't making a lot of money. Um, they're just doing it for the love of it. And, you know, they like having sex and they like having people watch it. And it's amazing. Um, Let's talk about um, get back to, to, to oh, growing yeah. up. I got uh, oh, yeah. a little bit sidetracked. <laughs> I ended up talking about yeah, sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The evolution of your um, coming to terms or, or progressing in coming to terms yeah. with um, who you are and how you identify. Yeah. Um, when I was uh, really young, um, I was I was kind of like... I guess I was always kind of, I know, oh, everybody says that, always kind of genderqueer because, like, I used to, like, like wear dresses and stuff, like, play makeup. But then I would go and play in the dirt and, you know, get dirty in my dresses, you know. Um, but it um, wasn't until I got a little bit older. I was probably, um, like, nine and older um, when I started, you know, like, stealing my brother's shirts and stuff. And, and they would come to my knees, but they were, like, you know, Pearl Jam, Metallica, you know, like, um, music shirt, you know, um, bands and stuff. And, and I wanted to look, you know, cool like that, you know. And that was what I, I thought of. That's the ideal was, you know. Um, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't really look at my sister for that. I really looked at my older brother. Um, and a lot of that, um, up until... I was um, really in my mid-teens. It was just me being me. You know, I never really thought about it. I never really thought about, you know, that I was dressing very masculine. I never really thought about that I only really like liked to hang out with boys. Um, I, never, I never even considered it. And then um, I remember one time um, I had these Doc Martin boots that I was just so proud of. I wore those things until, like, they had holes in them. I had them for so long. Um, but there was a point when I decided, um, I, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but, um, where I, I was wearing skirts. Um, I still wore t-shirts and like my Doc Martin boots, but I was wearing skirts, you know, I was being totally feminine. Um, but, also um, known as the 1990s. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was totally, yeah. Um, but, um, God, I loved that look too. Anyway, not on me on dirt. Yeah. on girls, mm. um, loved the boots and the stockings mm-hmm. and the little, like, uh, Tartan plaid. Yeah, um, the, the baby doll dress and yeah. the boots. Oh, yeah, I remember that. was a very specific, yeah. like, five-year period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, loved it. Anyway, um, but um, so I wore I wore a, a dress and, and the boots, and I went over to my grandma's house. And um, we were talking and something, and we just kind of stopped, and she's just like, Honey, I can handle the boots if you wear the skirt. As long as you wear the skirt, I can handle the boots. And I, like, froze. And I realized that what I was doing was not okay, you know, to some people. That I, that oh, that whole time that I had been dressing like a boy, apparently she had been terrified, you know, or whatever. And I, I, I don't even, I don't think I answered her. I was just, and it stuck with me. What did it feel like? It felt like I was ashamed to her, you know, that, that. I was letting her down, you know, because I even from when I was way before you should be asking a kid, um, she would always ask me if there were boys that I liked, you know, and, and you know, oh, you know, you know boys and, and who do you think's cute and all that stuff. And and everybody does that, I guess. But it just seemed like everybody was asking me that. Mm-hmm. And I never had an answer for them. And um, it was frightening because it's what they expected, you know, like and and. 
I I didn't want to let them down. And I used to make up people. Oh, yeah, I think. And <laughs> I remember I told my grandma once because um, she was asking me. And I was just like, oh, I, I really like um, Leonardo DiCaprio. And she's like, oh, he's too feminine for me. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, it just it, it felt like I was wrong, you know, that I was being I was being wrong. And she didn't like me that way. Did you feel the need to express yourself differently after then? Or did you pull away from her? Did I, you just I, hide your feelings? I, I hid my feelings and I expressed... I, I would I would always um, wear more feminine clothes when I went over to her house. What did that feel like when you put those clothes on? Did you feel like... <sighs> it felt horrible. It felt, it felt like a costume. I felt really uncomfortable. And I, I remember it never felt good enough. Um, did you dislike yourself for putting those clothes on? Or were you just so focused on pleasing her and avoiding that awkwardness? I usually didn't hate myself until, like, later. You know, like, when I was getting ready, it was a conscious decision. I'm going to dress up nice, you know, mm -hmm. which means, you know, girly clothes. At the, well, at the time, meant girly clothes. Um, and it it was a conscious decision, decision because I didn't want to worry her, you know. And um, But then when I got home, or while I was there, I just felt uncomfortable, mm -hmm. felt like I was not myself, like I was presenting somebody who was just not me. And I hated being there. You know, I, I would just count the minutes and I would usually disappear into a book. Um, I, I was, um, was always a bookworm. And um, I never felt like I could talk when I was there. Um, I would just listen to my grandma and, and, you know, she would talk about whatever, um, talk with everybody else. And, um, when she would, all she would do was ask me how, you know, what are you doing right now or whatever. And, um, I would just kind of get through it. And then, yeah. You know, it's, I know it's understandable because they don't know any better, yeah. but like what parent thinks that their child <laughs> just isn't aware that they're not dressing feminine enough Yeah, as if they aren't dressing what, you know, like they're, yeah. they're absent-mindedly pulling shirts from the wrong drawer. <laughs> right, right. I was just, yeah, it's, it's, and, and she would always, she would always tell me right before, before I left, she's like, I pray for you all the time, honey. You know, I pray for you all the time. And, um, I... I know that what she's doing is, is, you know, she wants the best for me. And that's what's so hard about being angry about it is you feel kind of guilty about being angry that your mom, your grandma cares so much about you, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, um, luckily, my parents um, were always very supportive. Um, they didn't really care what I wore. My mom is kind of a tomboy. Um, she's never really been very girly. Um, so I never felt wrong with them. Um, but my grandmother's very strong influence, I guess. Um, I spent a lot of time with them, um, when I was a kid. So, um, a lot of, a lot of that really affected me. Have you ever discussed your gender or your sexuality with your parents in a way that was I, open? I, I talked about my sexuality. Um, I came out as a lesbian to my mom, um, when I was 18, I think. Um, and she was supportive. Um, I didn't actually come out to my dad. I didn't actually come out to my dad. My mom told my dad. I was going to say, you came out to him whether you knew it or not about <laughs> yeah. five minutes later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, it was actually like years later. He didn't He didn't really know. Um, I'm sure he did, but there wasn't an official uh, announcement, yes. I guess. Um, 
until um, I was probably in my 20s, 22. And how do you accept it or take um, it? You know, I don't think we ever talked about it. Um, now he kind of points out girls that he thinks are cute to me, which is kind of gross. I don't know. It's kind of, uh, yeah. But, and, and we don't have the same taste, you know. And I'm just like, yeah, I guess she's kind of cute, but not really. Um, what, a, what a kind of a sweet, awkward gesture on his part, though. Exactly. I, I, I adore him for trying, you know. Yeah. And I think that's the, the, the best that you can hope for with yeah. when there's that generational gap where they just don't. Yeah, they I don't think know. Really, I think really it's it's all we really need, you know? All I really need um from my parents, you know, is just I'm okay, you know, and and you do what you want. And you're rooting for me. Yeah. Yeah. You're not like, trying you to change not, me or undermine me. <laughs> exactly. You might not like it, you know, or well, I mean, you might not have wanted it. Ugh, that sounds horrible too. No, I know what you're saying. But yeah. And just as long as you, as you let me do my thing, be my, you know, my, be my own self, then even if you don't like it, if you still love me, then that's all I really need. You know, I don't need, I don't need you be running down a parade or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, um, all you really need is uh, okay. I almost said all you really need is love, but that's you know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, give me some seminal moments from childhood or adolescence. Uh, that was a big one. My my grandma, um, uh, the skirt thing. Yeah. Um, there was also a moment. One of, actually, the reason why I started, you know, wearing skirts, even, you know, with my, you know, band t-shirt or whatever and uh, boots, um, there was a time I cut my hair real short. Um, I was really into um, anime at the time. And then there was like there was a guy character that I loved his hair and I wanted that hair. Um, and of course, I went to the salon and got like a girly version of it because <laughs> as much as I can say, you know, I want it, you know, real short at the time, I couldn't say I want a man's haircut still have a problem with that um i cut my hair real short and i had this big like um again real child of the 90s i had like a bomber jacket kind of like um and you know uh shorts cargo shorts um and um i was sitting talking to my brother and um we haven't gone into you know i was homeschooled but um it was like a, a gathering you know and um one of the moms came up to me and she's like oh it's so funny she's she said, you know, she was wondering who those two boys were talking. Um, and, you know, she recognized my brother, but she didn't, you know, and she thought I was a boy. And she's like, isn't that so funny? She was telling me I was terrified. I was terrified. And because it felt like, like, I didn't even want to acknowledge this thing that I already was, you know, I was already doing. But to have somebody call me out on it, I was so scared and it terrified me. And then I got into like this, like, super not feminine, feminine, but I started wearing makeup, started wearing dresses, and, um, because I was I was scared of what that meant. I was scared of what it meant to be mistaken as a boy. What was the fear? Um, I was really afraid of being different when I was a kid, because I was homeschooled, um, and I was I was always heavy um, when I was a kid. I was always larger than everybody. Um, I lived in a um, predominantly um, a Hispanic area. And I had I was actually a Girl Scout, and I went to Girl Scouts in a predominantly Asian um, area, so I was just like larger than everybody. <laughs> you know, I was like heavier and taller than everybody. I just felt like I stuck out. You know, so weird and and to think that there was another thing. You know, to think that I you know might be a boy or you know if I started when I started like girls, I was like oh god another thing that just makes me 
not like everybody else, you know, to, to not be able to connect with people because I never felt like I could connect with people um, when I was a kid. And it was, it was terrifying to think that there was one more thing that made me weird. So scary. Yeah. Um, now I, I celebrate it. <laughs> yeah, we were talking on the way over here that you really love – we'll talk about it. what you love about being uh, pansexual and gender oh, fluid. Just the openness. Like just I'm – I'm open to the idea of being anything and being and like having anyone, well, not having anyone, but loving anyone. And I, I feel like I can find the beauty and the interesting qualities in anybody. Um, and I feel like I can express that uh, anything interesting within myself. Like I, I feel like I am at home, you know, uh, going on hikes and and. Um, and playing video games and shooting, you know, shooting up zombies and things. But at the same time, like, I, I, I enjoy um, knitting and sewing. Um, it was two of my biggest hobbies. Um, and cooking, you know, technically, I mean, um, I, traditionally I, feminine I know what things. you mean. You yeah. don't want it to sound insulting, <laughs> like that's insulting. natural yeah, exactly. for women. Yeah, but, <laughs> no, God, no. Um, but, um, yeah, traditionally feminine things. Um, I like cute things. I like, you know, I, I big Hello Kitty fan and things like that. And I don't feel like I need to, you know, edit myself like that. I can enjoy things just to enjoy things, and and I can be everything that I want to be. And and I, I can love anybody. You know, I'm I'm open to loving anybody. You know, it it I'm struck by the image. I, I often think that you know we go through life once, and unless you believe in reincarnation, and we get to sample so many things mm. and I'm, the thought that popped into my head is like because you have this great attitude about it you have this amazing buffet that you can <laughs> that you can sample from yeah. that it, it's the only problem is is finding somebody who's interested you know and and I, I haven't been in a lot of relationships, and a lot of it, I think, is because I haven't really, you know, I'm only now deciding, you know, figuring out who I am. Mm-hmm. And um, now that I'm more comfortable with who I am, people are becoming more interested. But, um, you know, I'm 28 now, and that's a lot of time that people just, you know, didn't 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 want the buffet, you know. <laughs> I can I can tell you though, your comfort in your skin. It is the sexiest thing that you can <laughs> express to a healthy person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And 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 um, I, you know, reading, you know, some of the surveys and everything, and and people with body issues feeling that nobody's ever going to love them, you know, um, for for something that they f- fixate on. And really, the sexiest thing is just being like confident and and knowing who you are and just you know. Um, not you don't have to be like assertive and aggressive or anything, but yeah. but just that that comfort in your own skin and being yourself. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, just just mm-hmm. and and I have that hope. I have that that hope that people see that, and um, I if if I can see it, I mean, if it's something that I ex- I enjoy in other people, it's got to be other people that are, <laughs> you absolutely. Know, and you know, if you're one of the lucky ones that isn't attracted to people that are broken that you want to fix, or somebody to come and rescue you and complete you, your chances are pretty good that you're <laughs> going to find a match that that yeah. you're going to be able to kind of connect on a on a spiritual and a, an emotional level. Yeah. So 
you know, sitting here ac- across from you, I really like your your chances of <laughs> of being able to connect well, somebody you. because yeah. you've already seemed to figure it out stuff many of us don't figure out until our 40s and 50s or some of yeah. us never figure out. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I had a lot of time for introspection and and I've talked to my therapist about this too that I I am very introspective because I've had a lot of time to myself, you know, but I also I I enjoy kind of picking my, I mean I shouldn't say picking myself apart because that sounds really um destructive, which it can be, you know, um when I'm really really, really anxious um or kind of depressed. Um I tend to pick myself apart. But um, figuring out how I work, you know, that's that's almost like a hobby of mine. And um, figuring out how other people work, too. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> we were sharing our love of serial killer documentaries right? on the way over yeah. here. Oh, I, I just love, like, how did they get that way? You know, we, oh, yeah. I love I love those, you know, those movies. Um, but, but yeah, I'm feeling bad that that we're not really thinking about the pain <laughs> of the victims when we're when no. we're watching that. But, nah. um it all it is is victim one, victim two. They don't even put names on them usually, you know. But uh, you know, I think it's that it's not the brutality of the crimes that that we find compelling. No, it's the it's the darkness within that person and how they battle that definitely, that I that definitely. I find compelling. Yeah, it's and the. the the things that the brain can do to you, you know, um, it's it's amazing how complex our minds are and what can happen, you know, when things are horrible in childhood. I mean, and that's the fascinating thing to me yeah, is that definitely. link between what happened to them and what they do. That yeah. I'm endlessly fascinated yeah. uh, by that. Yeah. And I think about that, actually. I mean, <laughs> not to the extent of a serial killer, but I, I you know, sometimes I do wonder um, if things that happened in my childhood would have you know, if 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 I'm the product of things that that were in my childhood, um, or if it's just something that would have happened to me anyways, you know, no matter what happened, if it's genetic or if it's um, brain, brain chemistry or something, you know, um, I I don't know. You know, there's there's there were times in my life I know that I idealized men, you know, over women, um, but it could have just been a choice that I made, you know, because it's not like I didn't have strong women in my life. Um, so, you know, maybe it was just, I just went that way because that's how I was supposed to be. Why did your parents decide to homeschool you? Um, my mom hated school. Um, she had a lot of problems with anxiety and depression. She's always had problems with anxiety and depression. Um, and so she had a lot of school anxiety. Um, and she saw my older brother and older sister, um, going through that and bullying and stuff. My, my older brother, um, experienced some bullying, I think, um, and when um, I, w- I went to preschool, <laughs> that was my, really my only um, until I got into um, community college um, when I was 16. Um, I, I didn't have any school experience except for preschool. So um, that's when she pulled them out when I was in preschool. And um, I went straight from there into homeschooling. Was it a positive that. experience for you? Was it? Or I guess you have nothing to compare it to. I, I don't. Well, do you find yourself longing to go to school? Yeah. There have been times, there have been times, especially because I'm interested now, finding now my interest in science and math um, was not something that I experienced when I was um, growing up. I was more interested in books and, um, and I I wouldn't say history, but you know, like the the, um, um, liberal arts um, is what I was more interested in. um, But 
I had a hard time learning math in the beginning, so I gave up. And um, I, we, we were actually what's called um, unschooled, you know, <laughs> more definitions. Um, but um, unschooled means that there's not really a curriculum. That's mm. a horrible way to say that word, cur- curriculum. Um, and um, my parents were really hands-off. Um, anything I wanted to learn, I kind of just had to, like, teach myself. I taught myself how to read. Um, I, you know, sought things out. I mean, we went to field trips and we had things like that. But um, for the most part, you know... Whatever we learned, we learned on our own. And my dad tried to teach me math um, when I was a kid. That went horribly. Would it be fair to call you classroom queer? <laughs> totally. <laughs> let's just say that. Yeah, let's just say I'm classroom queer. Yeah. Because um, I don't mind being, you know, at the time, I would have been horrified. But uh, as queer as I can get, I will get. <laughs> uh, are there any other seminal moments from... Um, Childhood or adolescence that, that, that you want to touch on? Uh, oh, I wrote some down. Let me see if I can find some. Oh, um, not childhood. Um, it's actually more in my, I guess, journey. Um, I'm about to make drugs sound really awesome, and I don't mean to. But some people, you know, some people can, can pick them up and put them down, and I'm one of those people. Um, uh, drugs and alcohol have never been um, real big for me. Um, I'm more of a... I. I'm a huge gaming addict, like, and, um, you know, TV and stuff, too. You know, sometimes I'll just binge watch What are your favorite games? I like RPGs because you can be somebody else, you Mm -hmm. know, and and I like RPGs, too. I I make um, a lot of characters because I like to choose different people. You know, I'll have male characters and female Mm -hmm. characters and tough characters and soft characters, and I don't like just being one person. Um, So those are, like, just really bad for me because I will sit and I will play for hours and I won't eat and I'll play from the moment I wake up to the moment you know until like I am falling asleep with the controller in my hand um or you know at the computer um I just I just have to share this because it it (laughs) makes me laugh so much I brought a, a Nintendo golf game to uh, my parents place this was years ago probably 20 years ago uh-huh. and and so my dad was playing and my brother and me and my brother and I were the two male characters and so my dad had to be the third character oh my God. and the only one that was left was her name was Pretty Amy <laughs> and he looks and he goes I'm not going to be goddamn Pretty Amy <laughs> Oh, that's and fantastic. my wife and I, for probably two years after that, would just look at each other and go, "God damn, pretty Amy." <laughs> but go ahead, I, uh, but, I, I um, cut you off. But I actually, though, so um, like uh, my brothers used to play video games too. My 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 younger brother, he would always play female characters. He's like, "What am I going to want to look at? You know, for the hours I'm going to play, am I going to look at look a man's ass or do I look at a woman's ass?" He's like, he always play female characters. I would generally play female characters on games that I shared with my family. Because I didn't want them to know. You know, I didn't want them mm. to question why I was playing a male character, which is so stupid. I don't think anybody In your cared. Metallica t-shirt. <laughs> In my Metallica t-shirt with my, my Doc Martin boots, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, so back to um, to drugs. Um, <laughs> I, I had tried a couple of substances. And um, I remember um, with one of them, I just um, – I had, I had grown my hair out. Um, because I had fluctuated on and off, and um, I some t- I I really enjoyed having real short hair. Um, but I had started to grow it out after a breakup, called it my breakup hair, and um, people kept telling me how beautiful it was. Because you know I have I have real straight hair, 
Um, so people with like curly hair that you know use a straightener were glaring at me, and um, people always say, "No, keep it long, keep it long. It's so beautiful, it's so beautiful." And it, I was like, I, and and I had achieved beauty. You know, I felt beautiful, um, regardless were, of your hair. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, it was it was you know, oh my, because of the hair, hair you know because of the hair um and you know sometimes I would make you know I was I was more in a, in a feminine um point at that point you know and um I people kept telling me you know and and I I would look at myself in the mirror and I was like you know that's that's a beautiful face there you know it's a it's a beautiful person there and I I remember um I took a substance um and. I what was felt that last thing you said? I took a substance. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and um, I felt everything melt away. I felt all that melt away. And I came to the realization that I didn't want to be beautiful. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be pretty, you know? And the reason why... You didn't want to be beautiful to other people or you didn't want to be beautiful in that societal idea of beauty? And the societal idea of okay. beauty. Um, like I want to be attractive. Everybody wants to be attractive, but I didn't want to be thought of as like pretty, um, you know, and the reason why I hated my hair, even though, you know, everybody thought it was so beautiful is I didn't want that to be the perception of me. I wanted, and, and it was like a light bulb went off and what was the substance by the way? Ecstasy. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, that time, yeah, and then I, I, I had, um, I had some pot another time, that, um, I was, I just, I just felt like everything, every mask I put on, every, every time, I did something just for the comfort of other people, just fell away, and all I was was just myself. All I was was just the person that was in my heart. And I felt very masculine. Well, not masculine, but male-bodied. Mm-hmm. And it felt amazing. And I was just at peace. And um, that's when I really started to just accept myself as as I was and really looked for other people. And that's when I, I found genderqueer as a, a word that I hadn't even heard of before. And... Um, it felt right. That's and so awesome. It was it was beautiful moment to find a label for myself when I always felt so weird and so outside of everything and so alone in what I was feeling and to have a word for it finally <laughs> to have a label because I always felt so labelless and you know labels can be really hurtful but they can also be really affirming and it was just. It was amazing, and it was terrifying at the same time, because that also meant I was different, you know. And mm-hmm. it's always it was a struggle for me for a long time. And but it's you were different with other people. Yeah, yeah. And it's always been hard for me to be a bother, you know, or um, to make a fuss. So um, it's that's why it's been really hard for me to come out to my family, because I already felt like. Well, they already expect accepted me as a lesbian. Am I really going to do one more thing? Um, but then I was I was in a relationship um, with a man for a little while um, after I had already come out, and I never really explained why. Um, to your family? To my family. Yeah. 
And they just kind of, a lot of times, because I'm very private, they just kind of, they just don't ask. I, I didn't know if I, I, I haven't come to the place where I feel like I can share that with my family just yet. I gotcha. So, yeah. Did you have um, some surveys that you related did, to that, that you yeah. wanted to? Uh, um, I actually, I, I went through the the, um, the body shame because I, I wanted to find my other trans folks. <laughs> okay. And I found, I found two. They were very interesting. This is from the body... Uh, body shame, yeah. Body shame survey. Um, this is uh, Allison. Um, she is transgender, male to female. She's gay, uh, 23. Since I was eight, I felt trapped in my body. I've always wanted to be a female, and I constantly struggled with my image as a male. I feel like it will never change. Every day I go on as a male, I feel like it destroys me from the inside out to the point of sleep loss, becoming completely immersed in video games to escape reality, and used to cope with these feelings using self-harm as a release. I feel like the people around me could never accept me, accept me as female. And I can totally relate to finding solace in video games because it's, it's really a chance to be somebody else. And that constant struggle as well. And, and the oblivion the, of having that, that focus, yeah. that intense focus of yeah, something else. Yeah, to get outside else. of yourself, to get outside yeah. of your head telling you, you know, um, that you're wrong for feeling the way that you feel. Um, like, the, the, I feel like it destroys me from the inside out. Um, I know that feeling to a point. Um, I know how it feels to feel like you're lying all the time. I know how it feels to feel like you have a secret that you're, you're sure that everybody can see or you're terrified that everybody can see um, or just feeling awkward in a room, just standing there and just feeling. Okay. So sometimes um, when I go into restrooms, I have to go into the female restroom because that's what my body is. And there's sometimes when I'm, when I'm very masculine looking, that I get a stare for a second and I tend to puff out my chest, which is horrible. You know, it just, just to reaffirm, you know, they're there. And, and times when, when, you know, women are talking about women things, you know, and it always makes me super uncomfortable because I almost feel like, you know, like a wolf in sheep's clothing or something. Like I'm, I'm not supposed to be hearing this because this is their private thing for women. And I'm not that, you know, um, at the same time, I always felt a little scared to to be um, perceived as a man for a long period of time because I almost felt like I was intruding on something that wasn't mine. Um, that if somebody found out, they would feel violated in a way. Um, because you share things with your, your, your team, you know, your gender team, um, that you wouldn't with the other team. And I don't, I don't want to feel like somebody's you know violated in that way and I can, I can tell you from the conversations that I have when I bond with my male friends uh -huh. I I would never feel that way about a woman who um identifies in terms of gender as a man mm -hmm. I I would enjoy it because I would be yeah. like here is a chance for um somebody else to to understand and I would enjoy yeah. I would enjoy the inclusion of that and I think many men would feel that I think the only anxiety would be that they were going to say something that would offend you um, oh yeah 
that would be it. So if you were cool with that, like oh, my yeah. like I my <laughs> wife, my wife is not really offended by much, and yeah. she enjoys the company of men. Yeah. And I know that when men know who she is and uh-huh. that she has a dark sense of humor, they enjoy <laughs> yeah. that. They yeah. enjoy that. Yeah, and I do. I I do get along with um, a lot of men, and I I tend to put them at ease when I when um. Because I usually tell them that I'm a lesbian because it's the easiest thing to do right now. Yeah. Um, instead of going into like all of my yeah. identities and yeah. things, I'm just like it's just easier to say I'm a you know I'm a lesbian and I look kind of butch. Um, but they they tend to be at ease then um, because I'm kind of one of the guys, kind of not. Um, I tend to get asked questions about women stuff, and I'm just like not really my yeah. <laughs> expertise. But um, yeah, um, so so that there is some of that, you know, that that bonding, but there's still, it feels a little bit like there's a little bit of a barrier there still. Like I'm still considered female, so um, that's got to be some tough, uh, tough sometimes. Um, yeah. Being kind of trapped between two worlds. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. um, that are mixed race um, also experience yeah. that, and that's got to be really. I have a little bit of that too. Yeah. Um. Uh. My uh, father's family. My my father's mother is mexican and um so he's half he's half white and um growing up uh, i lived in a um, predominantly hispanic area um a lot of spanish speaking and i never and my grandmother never taught him spanish and um so you know i never so but when i was younger i was darker um i spent a lot of time outside so i was darker and I got, you know, spoken to in Spanish quite a lot. And I'd have to say, no, sorry, you know, I can't. And I felt a real disconnect. And and, and I felt like um, I wasn't Mexican enough to yeah. hang with Mexican kids, you know. And, um, and I felt I, I felt fairly accepted, um, I guess, by the white people. <laughs> um, but it also felt like um, that wasn't all of me, you know. And so I totally understand that feeling. Let's do uh, one more survey that uh, okay. that you relate to, and then we'll do some fears and loves. Unless we're skipping anything um, big that you wanted to, uh, no, to talk about. No, no. Okay. Um, I don't think so. I forgot to look. Anyway, mm. <laughs> um, this is um, another uh, trans uh, woman named Rebecca. I didn't find a lot of trans men um, in the surveys. Um, I found one or two. But not very. Um, and when you say tra- a, a trans man, that's a woman that identifies correct, as a man. Correct. So um, yeah. okay. the, the the easiest way to think about it is you want to talk to them as they uh, they identify. As they want to be perceived. So if when you say trans man, they're a man. You know, you're just and and mostly you know you don't mostly they just want to be men. So in. You can talk. You can refer to them as as a trans man if you need to, but for the most part, you're gonna want to, you know, just talk to them as you know the the gender that they see themselves as. Would it be okay to say, you know, for for instance, like you who has the the um, the sex of a female but identifies mm-hmm. um, as a male, would you prefer to be referred to as he or she? There's a lot of uh, because because um, I know the pronoun thing is a big thing with some people. It's a big thing. Some yeah. like to be referred to as they. Yeah, um, I had actually had a friend um, in um, in college, well, in, at school, um, and she, when when she talks to me and talks about me, she refers to me as they, and it's very comforting. 
but it's also really awkward. It's, you know, it, Cause it goes don't against really every have... grammatical instinct that you <laughs> yeah, have. Exactly. There's really not a word that doesn't sound awkward. Um, you know, they've come up with some. And definitely not it to our listeners. No, <laughs> not it. no, we, no, 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 no. Um, yeah. Um, I haven't found a pronoun that I like. Okay. Um, uh, someone wrote a great guest blog on the website about that. I read that. Yeah. yeah. And um, she suggests that you um, ask them what pronoun they yeah. prefer, which which definitely. makes sense. And she said people yeah. won't be offended by that. Really? Um, and, you know, obviously, I th- I we're speaking for I think she wanted to be referred to as she. I oh. <laughs> well, they, they. They, yeah. I, I always have that fear, too, when I'm talking about, you know, somebody who's trans or who's uh, genderqueer. Well, I mean, obviously, genderqueer, trans. But um, is, is actually using the wrong pronoun because um, – but I think I think most people, at least I am very understanding. Um, and I think they I, just want to know that you care. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not the mistake. It's that you disregard. Definitely. Because some people refuse, you know, it's a lot of family and stuff sometimes refuse to use the right pronoun. Um, but really, as long as you're coming from a place of love or an understanding or just mm-hmm. curiosity, you know, respectful curiosity, um, I think questions are good, you know, and, and really opening up the dialogue is really important. That's one of the reasons I was really excited to come here is because... Um, I, I don't have a lot of, um, I guess, hangups, <laughs> you know, um, I, 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 t- I guess I tend to overshare. <laughs> um, so I really wanted to, to make myself available for questions because I am not a fe- offended easily. And I know a lot of people are very sensitive, uh, trans people are very sensitive because they've been hurt and definitely want to take, you know, have their own privacy. Um, I'm just not that kind of person. So. Um, definitely, I want to make myself available um, for that. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, did did um, you have another survey? I did. Um, I'm female and transgender. Um, I hate the fact. Oh, I should say this is uh, Rebecca. Um, she's a trans female, 20 to 29, bisexual. Um, she says, I, I hate the fact that I'm stocky. Her suit, which I don't know that word. It's I H I R S I. Oh, uh, Harry. H I R S U T E. Yeah. Yeah, that means Harry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Learn something new every day. Chubby and just not small, skinny, and cute. I get physically sick over the fact that I've been irreversibly deformed by going having going through male puberty and blame myself for having an unsatisfying body. And I know that even though I went through female female uh, puberty. Uh, even if I went through female puberty, my genetics wouldn't change and I just never be what I want to be. I feel like I have no other fate than to look the way I do. I get down on myself for being ugly in my eyes and compare myself to other quote, more uh, quote unquote successful trans women, uh, e.g. porn stars and young transitioners and the like. I feel that I am inf- uh, inherently inferior to them because I am unattractive and less feminine. And I constantly have thoughts of being ridiculed, insulted, and rejected as a result. I'm angry that even though I started hormones hormones at 18, I'm still ugly and a loser compared to almost everyone else. I feel that it's not because of my luck, genetics, or effort, because of some personal failing or inherent aspect of myself, and that no matter what I do, I am doomed, doomed to be pathetic. I know that my thoughts aren't always grounded in reality, but I'm still convinced that I'm right. I don't want to be right, but I have no way of confirming whether or not I am. 
So I'm stuck in this pattern of thought, at least for now. Oh, my heart goes out to her. Oh, my God. My heart broke. And I, I want to repeat what we were talking about earlier about confidence and comfort being sexy. Because I think a lot of people don't understand that some of the people that we find so beautiful aren't technically that attractive. You know, movie stars and things. I mean, other than the makeup and everything and that, that gets put on them to make them, you know, it's stereotypically beautiful. What really attracts people is that confidence and comfort. And I, I think the fact that Rebecca is finding herself and is, is working towards being more of a whole person that more of the person that, you know, she she wants to be. I think that's beautiful. And I think if she can affirm that in herself and really feel like she's a powerful, you know, and um, beautiful person that other people will see it too. I wonder how she goes about doing that. Is there, there's got to be um, trans support groups. There um, are some. I wasn't really able to find that many. Um, there's a lot of uh, resources um, for uh, gay and trans youth. Um, but I feel like there's a, a bit of a blank spot for people that are, you know, I guess we're supposed to have already figured it out by the time we're, you know, in our 20s and 30s and, and older. You know, there's a lot of late transitioners. And I don't feel like there's as much um, outreach for um, for um, older trans folk and, and older um, gay and lesbian, you know, and you know, pan in yeah. <laughs> all our fun. I things. hope that I hope that changes. It, Me too. Yeah. I hate to hear people suffering uh, yeah. unnecessarily and, and feeling cut off. Yeah, and I think I think really um, for me, finding YouTube um, videos of people just talking about their transitions was super helpful and just super affirming. You know, and um, there's a lot of um, makeup tutorials and and things about passing. You know, if you're if you're um, a transgender person that that I'm I'm sorry wants to be perceived as um, male or female. Wouldn't it be awesome if part of the defense budget could be allocated to people at war with their bodies? <laughs> I would vote for that. Wouldn't that I be would awesome? totally vote for that. I can guarantee you that's probably more destructive than oh, any definitely. terrorism group could ever hope for. Yeah, and so unnecessary. Yeah. I, I I would definitely um want to put more more money towards you know. God, I remember just hating my body as a kid. <laughs> Just feeling let down at turn after turn after turn after turn. Yeah. It's um It's very universal. Yeah. You know. I mean, I think anybody can understand looking in the mirror and not feeling as attractive as they wanted to be. Um I think I think hating And it goes beyond even feeling attractive. It's like I'm wrong. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um Um but um, with Rebecca not feeling beautiful and worrying that she's ugly, um, I think that's one of the most feminine things I've ever heard. <laughs> because I know women that just obsess about how they're not hot enough and they're gorgeous, yeah. but it's never enough for any, you know. I, I, and, and I'm being sexist because I know men worry about their, you know, and and all those in-betweeners um, tend to worry about our, our attractive level and attractiveness level, but... Um, really, it's it's universal. I watched a uh, documentary on supermodels, and not a single one of them knew another supermodel that 
liked their body. They yeah. appreciated their their supermodel friends' bodies and thought they were beautiful, yeah. but not one of them thought that they were beautiful. Yeah. So if you think it ends with you <laughs> becoming society's idea yeah. of beautiful, it doesn't. No. In fact, it can probably even fuck you up more oh, yeah. if, you, if you don't like who you are. No, because, yeah, you, you're always chasing that perfection, and that perfection isn't there. It's not. It's not. It's not. It sounds so no. cheesy and cliche, but I know, it's so it true. does. I know. So true. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's do some uh, some fears and loves, if, unless it. there's anything else that you wanted to, uh, no, to add or I touch think... on. No, I think... No, um, yeah, no, I think I'm good. Okay. I am going to be reading the fears of a, continuing a fear list of a listener named uh, E.K. I think, yes, and it's a, it's a female. Uh, she says, I fear dying young. Um, <laughs> this one's kind of specific. I am afraid that I will find out that my best friend isn't real, but someone I made up to survive a bad situation. Wow, that's a first, <laughs> hearing that one. That's, I am, I am that's awesome. I am terrified that I'm just going to, like, find out that, oh, by the way, you know, when you go and hang out with him, really, you're just sitting catatonic in your like, room. Like a beautiful mind. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, she says, I fear uh, living in poverty. Oh, yeah. Um, to that... <laughs> I will raise you. Um, I am afraid I am not strong enough to make it on my own. Uh, she says, I fear going into the adult world. I'm a teen. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid of people seeing how broken I am inside. I fear uh, being judged, especially by a loved one. Oh. I'm afraid that I will never be able to be vulnerable about around someone I love. Uh, well, the fact that you're able to be vulnerable around somebody that you met... <laughs> Two hours ago, That's true. I think the chances are pretty good. Uh, I fear a lot of my fears are stupid slash ridiculous. Oh my god! I yeah okay, um, okay. Then up for that, I have. Um, I am afraid all of my of all my teeth falling out or just crumbling. I've had dreams like that. Oh, I've yeah. had that too. Yeah. Oh good. Well, probably not that unusual funny. for somebody that plays hockey. But. <laughs> um. I have a fear of being trapped in a really bad natural event, such as a tornado, hurricane, mm. etc. Yeah. Um, I actually have one that's kind of like that. I'm afraid of being like chopped in half, like like mm -hmm. like in the, the elevator. The elevator closes, yes. and oh my god! And that you're um, going to be alive for a, a exactly know, being aware a period of, that. of time, or yeah, or yeah, being crushed in some way, mm. and then you have to like you know make peace with your loved ones before they pull the thing away. Oh, I've been watching my too god. many wow, you have. And, uh, she says, I fear that any insect can possibly harm me. Ooh, yeah. I'm afraid that um, I will find, I will not find someone who will love me for who I am and not who I appear to be. I fear I will never have sex. Oh, um, I had that fear when I was a virgin. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I am afraid that all my identities and orientations are just a phase and I will be, well, will one day be a suburban housewife ashamed of her eccentric youth. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. That's You're fantastic. Funny. Oh my god. Uh I fear I have emotionally fucked someone up without even knowing uh let alone meaning to. <sighs> yeah. I have that oh, too. Oh, and 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 you repeat things in your head over and over again that you said and you're like, "God, I shouldn't have said that." Yeah. I am afraid that I will never move out of my parents' house and become old and bitter. I fear that I'm egotistical. I am afraid of dropping, stepping on, or otherwise crushing a baby or small animal. I have that too. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I have a fear of choking in front of people and being allowed to die. Wow, that's oh, intense. Wow, yeah. That is intense. God, I just put myself in that situation. I don't like that. Um, I'm going to end on this one because um, it's horrible. I am afraid that I will die masturbating and someone in my family will find me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And her last – well, actually, not her last one. We'll end on uh, hers. Uh, I fear being turned on in public. Well, I could tell you that's a lot less scary for a woman than it is for a man. Oh, yeah. And, you know, part of my, you know, if I do decide to transition to a man, um, I'm glad that I did not experience puberty because, oh. Not fun. No, I bet. Not fun. And, and yeah. And I can get turned on like a drop of a hat. If somebody knew that, I would be horrified. Um, uh, let's do loves. And okay. I'm going to be reading loves from a uh, Facebook thread that I started. Okay. Uh, do you want me to go first? Yep. Okay. Um, I love watching my best friend play guitar and just watching his heart just open and just being one with himself. It's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, Jeanette Isao says, I love being covered up with a blanket by a loved one. Oh. Is it bad that I've always wanted that? <laughs> no, that's beautiful. Oh, my God. It's just, it's And especially when you're sick or something, you just want somebody just to take care of you. Um, I love when I put all my energy to an, into a project and it comes out better than I envisioned. That is great. Uh, this one's from Leo Benvenuti, who is one of the funniest people I've ever met. And <laughs> sweet, sweet guy. Uh, he writes, I love making my wife and kids laugh. Oh, yeah. Um, I love stretching the day after a good workout. Uh, Logan Swanson says, I love talking kink with a like-minded person, a rare joy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just having, you know, somebody just understand mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, I love the smell of libraries and uh, bookstores. Oh, yeah. That is yeah. a good one. Yeah. Uh, Claire Lafar says, I love the Tron Legacy soundtrack. <laughs> um, I love finding a character that um, I can relate to so much that it makes me feel more human. Jennifer Watson Labombard. That almost sounds like a like a uh, made up name. Uh, <laughs> I love it when I rub the inside of my dog's ears and she rolls her eyes back, takes a deep sigh with a little moan at the end. Oh, that's great. That's there's so. I I love when people get really descriptive and it's like yeah. a little movie. But there's nothing about like uh, like better than the unconditional love mm -hmm. of an of a pet. Um, I had the opposite of that this morning where I, I woke up, I rolled over, my dog was sleeping next to the bed, and I went down and petted her and started to kiss her snout, and she went, mm. <laughs> I was like, all right, fuck you. <laughs> um, it's, my, it's mine, right? Mm -hmm. um, I love when I don't give up, when I don't give in to the voice that tells me I'm not good enough, when I push through and I accomplish more than I thought, and that is part of coming here because I, I would have told myself that I'm not good enough for it like a year ago. Oh, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you came. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Claire says, uh, I love the fact that pod, I love the fact that podcasting with my friends every week never feels like work. <sighs> I would love to have a job that was like, you know, or. It's yeah. so empowering. My friends I told bet. me that before I started doing one, um, my friends that had podcasts and, mm -hmm. um, I thought they were exaggerating, but it's yeah. been the most empowering thing I've, uh, I've ever done. If I can let go of worrying about whether or not it's growing. Oh, yeah. Because then, trust me, your ego will inject itself into anything <laughs> and, sh bet. Yeah. and shit on it. Yeah. So you just got to be aware of, <laughs> of that to anybody starting a podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love when someone calls me sir. I love that. Uh, Katie Baker. Love Katie. I love watching my five-year-old nephew dress up in his sister's pretty 
pretty princess outfits because he finds it hilarious. I also <laughs> love the look on his dad's face. Oh, <laughs> I love it. You know, um, at Disneyland, they let boys be princesses. Oh, that's great. I love it. Yeah. Love it. I love that we can do that. You know, that, that yeah. Um, I love when my house is empty and I can sing and dance without shame or reserve. Katie uh, Baker says, I love that doing the right thing sometimes pays off enough in other ways to encourage me to keep doing the right thing. Case in point, being a good friend to my ex, regardless of my feelings and just giving him space, allowed him to walk right up to me and plant a big kiss on me the other night out of gratitude. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, I love when you know someone so well that you can just share a silent smile and know exactly what the other is thinking. I love uh, Patty Bell says, uh, not to be confused with Patty LaBelle, uh, I love when I remember to fluff up the grass after I've been sitting on it so there's no indentation for anybody to measure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Could you imagine? Could you imagine somebody went around with like a tape measure and it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I love when my when I get sick and my voice is super deep and sexy. Uh, Robin McDonald says, I love reading love-offs while waiting in my therapist's office about to reveal some dark shit. (laughs) That's great. Um, I love, uh, oh, we talked about this, but I love creating a new uh, character in a game so I can play it being being somebody else. Uh, Robin McDonald says, uh, I love that there are love-offs and not hate-offs because there is already so much to drag you down in the world. And now there is a group of strangers that share the loves with each other simply because of a podcast another stranger made. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's I don't read these awesome. usually before I, I print them out, so sometimes uh-huh. it sounds like I'm stroking myself. But, <laughs> yeah. um, this is my last one. Um, I love a good rib-crushing hug. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you one. Okay, good. And this uh, is the last one that I have from awesome. Gregory Michael Travis, and he says, I love when my cats walk on me with tiny footsteps. <laughs> Well, uh, Pigeon, <laughs> thank you so much. And yeah. I encourage people to um, contact you at the forum if they yeah, have. And, I, and I'll forward some emails to you um, as yeah. well if that's, if oh, that's no, okay that's abso- with you. Oh, no, that's absolutely good, yeah. Okay. Because I, I, I would love to be a resource because I know how hard it is to just be it's just struggling and not having anybody there to throw you a life, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I'm open to questions, um, even if you're not trans. Um, if even if you don't know anybody who's trans, if you're just curious, you know, um, just talk to me. You know, I'm, I'm open. Um, I am. I'm sometimes busy, but um, I'll get back to you. Okay. Would what would be the best way for them uh, through the forum? Through is there, the forum, it, okay. probably. Okay. Um, just so you know, I can keep my privacy with my family because I, okay. it's 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 really, you know, I'm I'm good with being out there. It's just that uh, things are complicated with my family and. I understand. You don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So yeah. Many thanks to Pigeon. And I got an email uh, after we recorded, and um, he said that he prefers the pronoun he to uh, to she. So um, apologies for referring to uh, to Pigeon as she throughout uh, throughout the interview, but I think he understands. Um, before we uh, get to the surveys, I want to remind you guys um, that there are a couple different ways to support the the podcast. You can do it um, financially by going to the website, mentalpod.com, making a one-time PayPal donation, or my favorite, 
a recurring monthly donation for as little as five bucks a month. Uh, once you sign up, you don't have to do anything to change it, and it'll just keep um, donating monthly until you uh, cancel it or your credit card expires. And those donations are, are kind of the the financial footing that I'm able to keep this podcast going on. And I would uh, really appreciate your support. Um, thanks to those of you that do, but um, I would love to get it to the point where I can make this my full-time my full-time gig and support myself um, from doing it. So um, you can also support us financially by shopping through our Amazon search portal. It's on the right-hand side of the homepage about halfway down. You can also um, support us non-financially by going to iTunes, writing something nice, giving us a good rating, or spreading the word through social media. Um, I think that's it as far as the um, the announcements. Yeah, let's get into... Uh, Let's get into the surveys. Actually, I'm going to kick it off with uh, an email from um, somebody that calls themselves, um, she calls herself Exhausted Parent, and she writes, I was wondering if you ever thought about getting a guest on to talk about their children's mental health. Um, I hear often of your guests talking about their parents being the contributors to their mental health, but not the other way around. I know uh, I am the, the parent, but it can be so mentally draining for parents with children with special needs. On top of that, not wanting to contribute to more mental health problems in their future, because let's face it, parents are not perfect. Then you bring in a sibling that wants to be seen, uh, and as a parent, you give that child the last of your energy, which doesn't seem to be enough. So what happens to the parent's mental health? I really want to be there for my kids and have fun with them. I would do anything for my children. I hope this made sense and that I didn't come across as selfish. I would really love to hear your take on this. You sound like a great and conscious parent, and um, I would love to to interview somebody who's going through that. I can't imagine how difficult that that must be. And... Um, yeah, so if um, I, I know we had a guest blog a while back where somebody wrote about being the, the parent of a special needs child. So if you want to read that post, I, th- I think do a search on um, on the website and maybe that will come up. But I think uh, an interview would be great. My, um, my heart goes out. I can't imagine how taxing that must uh, must be. Um this is an uh, an email that I got from uh, Jamie Casbin, who is uh, transgender uh, transgender male, and um, he writes, um, "I was born a female and now living uh, as a man. I started transitioning about two years ago, and uh, I've only had once uh, sex once since then." Um, uh, once again, I overestimated my desire and pretend that I was into it as she was, and then I felt used. Uh, God, I need to work on establishing boundaries. I think that sex has more of a potential of being traumatic for female-bodied people because the act of penetrating can very easily become traumatic. I think it's hard to understand that feeling if you've never had penetrative sex. You put yourself in a very, very vulnerable situation every time you have sex. It's really easy to feel exploited. I know the times that I've been the penetrator... I felt much better about my situation and usually had only positive feelings about the sex I was having. Um, I don't feel like my current gender has any relation to the sex I had as a teenager. I also don't know what sex is like as a male-bodied person, but I do know that it can also be traumatic. There's no great option for teenage sexuality. All I know is that teenagers are going to have sex, or at least want to have sex, and some are going to regret it. Some are going to come out fractured, and some are going to be fine. It's a terrible age to be making such big decisions, but that's what nature pushes us to do. 
Um, thank you for that, Jamie. And that was also kind of a response to um, the previous episode with uh, my guest, Adrian Selbert. Um, that a- episode was a little polarizing for some people um, um, regarding the topic of uh, teenagers and sexuality and what is an okay age to start um, having sex and what are the effects of it. This is from the uh, body shame survey filled out by uh, a woman who calls herself Rosie Day, and she writes, I am the overweight daughter of an anorexic mother, so needless to say, I've got some shit going on. My mother is obsessed with weight and very self-righteous and proud of her anorexia. She's 5'2 and weighs 104 pounds. When I was visiting them this summer, she mentioned she wants to, quote, get back down to under 100 pounds because apparently she feels she's heavy. And I told her, resentfully, that she sounds like an anorexic person. The rest of my family almost froze in place as I had brought attention to the elephant that had been living in our house since I can remember. Without skipping a beat, she said, oh, I've always been some degree of anorexic, yeah. I said, what would you say if I told you I was anorexic? I'm not. I just couldn't believe she had dropped that so casually to all of us. She said, well, I'd say that's not good. Uh, But I didn't believe her. Um, I think she'd not only be fine with it, but that she would respect me more. Um, That's the first thing that my mom says about any woman, whether it's a family member or celebrity or friend or whoever. It's something about her weight. When I go home, my body dysmorphia shoots through the ceiling. I can see my mother looking disappointed disappointed and or disgusted with me constantly. Her eyes scan me every single time I come downstairs in the morning and I see that all too familiar laser of judgment shooting from them. I know she wants a willowy lean daughter who she can take shopping for nice things and who emits an air of wealth um, or polish might be a better word. You know, a daughter who could marry a rich doctor or lawyer and spend her days at a country club. And she spelled country C-U-N-T-R-Y and then put, that was an honest-to-God typo, but I'm leaving it in. Uh, I believe she's disappointed uh, that I'm none of those things. I think she views me as her fat, schlumpy daughter, someone who shoves donuts in my mouth six times a day like an out-of-control animal. I don't believe she wants to view me that way, but she can't help it, which is maybe the worst part of it all. When I'm visiting my parents, I find myself secretly texting my friends in tears, begging them to tell me that I'm just normal, that there's nothing about me that stands out, that I look like an average person who no one would notice. I text my boyfriend things I'd never normally ask him, such as, do you really want to have sex with me when you're having sex with me? And am I pretty? Luckily, he's expecting these and handles it very well. Uh, That is not all who I am in my real life, one in which I'm a confident woman and professional comedian who very much wants to be noticed for being funny, yet in less than 24 hours at my parents' house, my whole self-image does a 180. It's completely absurd. Thinking about it, I actually should be filling this out while I'm visiting them. Maybe one day, five, maybe on day five of a week at home, uh, this would be much more dramatic. Um, Thank you, Rosie, for for filling that out. Um, My heart goes out to you. and my first thought is, I think what, what any um, person in any type of recovery would tell you that it, ultimately it's going to have to be how you feel about yourself because you're you're trying to get water from a rock with your with your mom, and I made myself crazy by trying to get things that my parent weren't, parents weren't capable of giving me. And the day I surrendered to that was uh, the day that I started to be not sane but a little less crazy. 
This is uh, from the same survey filled out by a guy who calls himself uh, ADC, and uh, he's in his 30s, and he writes, uh, I started losing my hair aged about 16, and by 25, I had the hairline of an old man. I realize this is incredibly common and minor, but that only serves to make my childish childish obsession, I'm even going to try to say that again, with it even more shameful and more pathetic that I can't overcome it in my early 30s. To make matters worse, I started getting very shitty skin, shitty or shiny, very shiny skin. The print is so small on these surveys and I can't change it. Uh, I started getting very shiny skin on the top of my head. I have tried all kinds of creams and diet changes, but nothing helps. I associate my head with a dead thing. I mean, I used to think of my baldness as that my head was dying, that I was dying from the head down and that it defined me and that's all other people would see. It really affected my confidence in talking to girls, applying for jobs, interviews, talking to strangers, going into social situations, even just going outside some days. Uh, I obsessively check mirrors to see how bad the situation is, uh, is today. Um, I admit I am pleased when people I know start losing their hair. Then I feel bad for feeling pleased about it. Thank you for sharing that and um, sending you a hug um, while avoiding looking at your the top of your head um, because that's what you want. And I would probably want to rub the top of your head and then that would make you uncomfortable and then we'd have a nice, awkward hug. Just like this moment I'm creating right now. Right, don't where to go don't know where to go next because I'm afraid I hurt your feelings and then I'm afraid that I'm being too hard on myself and I don't know where to go. So let's just enjoy this silence. Very nice. Moving on. This is from the Shame and Secret Survey filled out by um a guy who calls himself Pin Up Paul. He's in his thirties, was raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment. Um uh, ever been the victim of sexual abuse some stuff happened but I don't know if it counts um, and then he doesn't get specific about it deepest darkest thoughts I seem to be abnormally turned on by girls that are as young as 16 or 17 given that I am in my late 30s there's no shortage of shame and guilt I feel when I catch myself staring deepest darkest secrets I have arranged brief trysts with other guys to watch them jerk off in one case I helped guy helped jerk the guy off even though I'm ashamed of this behavior, I just boned up a bit while recalling the feel of his hard dick in my hand. Um, oh, he identifies, by the way, as straight and qualifies. I guess I could fit into the bi category, but I seem to be way more into females. I am a semi-regular client of a particular female hooker. I wonder, does a semi-regular client um, get one of those cards that you punch and then every 10th below job is free? I couldn't resist that. Um, Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. A late life fantasize about screwing a number of women that I work with. I even snapped a picture of one in the work lunchroom yesterday when she had her back to me. My plan was to look at the pic while jer- jerking off later in the day. Um, I would really uh, encourage you to not do that because if it, I, I feel like that's really crossing a boundary. I feel like it's okay to look at somebody and take a picture in your mind and you know, use it for later, but um, um, if somebody catches you doing that, I, I, I think they can feel really violated. So that's there's my two cents. That's me 
being your parent and being annoying. Um, would you ever consider telling a partner or close friend your fantasies? No, I can't even imagine telling this shit to a licensed therapist. Uh, fortunately, I have no significant other in my life to have to hide all this from. Do these secrets and thoughts generate any particular feelings towards yourself? Lots of shame. It all keeps me invested in secrecy. I know it's all self-destructive, but I've kind of given up on a better fulfilling life at this point. I'm tired. Part of me wants to end it all tomorrow. Um, you are being so hard on yourself. And, you know, I, I know very few men that are honest that don't find 16 or 17 year old girls physically attractive um it it it's just genetic you know we're the the ones that are attracted to to that age um that gene pool survived uh, you know just just through um darwinism so the ones that fucked more and fucked earlier that gene pool stuck around so Give yourself a break. It's how you handle those feelings and how you handle your staring. Um, I think if you can be um, respectful of other people's boundaries and not th- make them feel like you're you're drinking them in, um, cut yourself some slack. And uh, you know, if you got to go home and jerk off to it, um, do so and, and and don't beat yourself up. Um, Unless it's an addiction, and then go go get help, but still don't beat yourself up. I can email you these directions. This is this is a dark one. This next one. Um, this is, but I really wanted to read it because I just want to send her some love. Um, this is from the Shame and Secret Survey, and this is her. She calls herself Forgiveness Desired. She is in her forties, uh, straight, was raised in a totally chaotic environment, and that is an understatement. Um, She was the victim of sexual abuse and never reported it. In her deepest, darkest thoughts, uh, that if I was capable of finding my abusers, I would rip them of their dignity, love for themselves, and take away their sense of safety. Deepest, darkest secrets. I was abused physically, sexually, and emotionally from both of my parents. I was also ritually abused by a group of totally different people. I was made to hurt slash kill other children, mostly babies. This kills me every day because I have five children of my own and I have never or will never hurt any of them. Um, I don't know what it was that you went through, um, but please forgive yourself. You were a child. Oh, my God. You are as much of a victim as any of those children that were, that were hurt. And, um, oh, I just want to reach out and hug you. Um Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. I guess I fantasize about being the one wanting to make love instead of just laying there like a corpse. I would love to touch him in a loving way, not even with the expectation of having sex. Just feeling close would be fantastic for me. That's such a... It is so normal to want that and such a good sign that that there is a part of you that is still... that there is still an ember of you that hasn't been extinguished by what you've been through and i really encourage you to go to um get some type of help for the abuse that that you went through it it that is um in my two and a half years of doing this podcast that is um the most traumatic thing i think that i've ever read of somebody being through being put through um and you were put through it you were not a willing participant in that um 
Would you ever consider telling a partner or close friend your fantasies? Uh, uh, well, I've said something to my husband, but more in the lines of I hate the fact that I can't touch you in a sexual way. Uh, do these secrets and thoughts generate any particular feelings? It makes me feel disgusting, sad, and unworthy. Again, sending you a big hug. And any comments to make the podcast better? She writes, I'm fairly, I'm fairly new to your podcast. It is a little hard for me to hear the F word, cunt, etc., mainly because those words were used a lot on me as a child, so it triggers me. Um, I, however, I know this is my issue, and I'm learning to listen um, more to the content of the show. Uh, that is what helps me. Thanking, thank you for allowing me to express my thoughts and feelings. And I'm sorry that uh, I kicked off today's episode with Pussy Fest uh, 2013, but uh, I also wanted to read that. And um, I find myself sometimes, based on a listener's um, comment about the way I run the show, um, becoming anxious and afraid that I'm eventually going to paint myself into a box where I'm trying to please everybody and I know that that would be a mistake so sometimes I think I react by maybe going the other way um, this is from the shame and secret survey filled out by um, a guy who calls himself Matthew he's straight in his 20s was raised in a totally chaotic environment um, was the victim of sexual abuse and never reported it um, do, do, do. Uh, deepest darkest thoughts I'm consistently thinking about rape and murder I know I'll never do anything like I imagine but I don't like that I imagine it I remember being in a train station I saw a dad and his little girl he wasn't holding her hand and she was standing closer to the rails than him I imagined swinging my leg out and knocking her straight onto the track I wondered if I ran would the father chase me or jump down after his daughter of course I just want uh, wandered past the two of them, but I felt like a piece of shit afterwards. Dude, I have never been on a train station platform and not thought of pushing somebody else or throwing myself in front of a train. And not because I wanted to do either, because it was just a thought that was just humming in my head. So I know I'm not the barometer of normal, but I know you and I are not alone. So a sick high five to you. Uh, and that's not even sick. Now I'm, ba- now I'm bummed out that I used the word sick. Um, deepest, darkest secrets. I don't have any buried, buried bodies in my backyard, but I often lie to everyone I know and I've stolen from half of them. Every time I've reached into my mother's wallet or stolen fruit, food from one of my coworkers, um, I tell myself that I'm too old to be doing something as immature as petty theft. Um, Either I stop altogether or move up to a car or something. Um, how about talking to somebody about it? Um, sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Although I consider myself straight, I've masturbated to homosexual porn, and I've had many sex dreams about performing oral sex on a male. I'm attracted emotionally and physically to women, but I'd be lying if I said I hadn't admire men's bodies i have never acted on it and probably will never act on it with men um it's only physical and only when i'm in the mood for it um would you ever consider telling a partner close friend no in today's culture a man with homosexual thoughts is pinned as a homosexual if i admitted having blowjob fantasies i'd imagine people would just be waiting for me to come out of the closet um Did these secrets and thoughts generate any particular feelings towards yourself? The stealing makes me feel immature, and the violent thoughts make me feel vile. Um, God, you're, Matthew, 
you're so okay. You're so okay. Um, you know, judging by the the survey that I read, who knows? You know, you could be doing something that you didn't share, but um, it just talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. This is uh, from the Shame and Secret survey filled out by um, Gabby, and she is. In her 20s, uh, identifies as bisexual, um, don't really know, uh, she puts after that. Uh, never been sexually abused, deepest, darkest thoughts, uh, she writes, in all honesty, uh, I try to think as little as possible. Um, deepest, darkest secrets, when I was anorexic, I used to cook everything for my family and made sure that um, it was as caloric as possible and that my portion was as light as possible. I used to sneak my little sister junk food and sweets, and as a result, she was overweight as a child. I don't know why it made me feel better. Sometimes I feel detached, like I don't exist. Once in a McDonald's with friends, I felt like I was invisible. Not in the sense of feeling ignored, I really felt I wasn't there. Oh, I really felt I wasn't there entirely and spent the entire time trying to make eye contact with other customers just to see if they could see me. None of them made eye contact, though. I honestly had no idea what I was doing at university. I didn't know why I was there. I didn't know what it was for, despite being a high achiever in school. I picked my degree uh, program based on my depression. I felt so detached that I went for something that I thought was grounded and practical, despite me being so completely ill-suited to it, and despite my knowing what my passions are. Although, to be fair, I was so depressed entering university that I didn't feel like pursuing those anyway. It has, not surprisingly, kept me depressed for far longer than might have otherwise been the case. Once, while anorexic, I went blind. I couldn't see anything except out of my peripheral vision. Despite being terrified, I didn't tell anyone. I just kept going about my day, silently freaking out. My vision eventually returned. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Mostly I fantasize about romances between two males despite being a female myself. They're not even that sexual, to be honest. I don't know why, but I don't think it's abnormal. Um, other than that, mostly I like the idea of someone older and more experienced doing what they like with me. I'm pretty vanilla, to be honest. I'm mostly attracted to men about 10 years older than I am. I always feel a bit maternal to guys under 30. Would you ever consider telling a partner or close friend? Friends, no. Uh, I've never had a partner, so I don't know what I would tell them. Do these secrets and thoughts generate any particular feelings? A little pathetic. I know I'm very detached from my own sexuality, but in all honesty, I've never seriously wanted to do anything about it. Thank you for that, Gabby. Um, this is an email that I got from um, a listener. It's actually two emails I got from a listener named uh, Dina. And um, the first one was a while back, and... She writes, um, here I am, it's two in the morning. I, I prepared the pills I want to swallow along with some steroids mixed with wine for a little oomph. Uh, and I'm just sitting. I'm so desperate to get out of myself and not have to face another grueling day, but I just can't do it. I'm rocking back and forth, tortured by indecision. Maybe I'm too chicken, but maybe that's a good thing. I tell myself I would just have to wait until the impulse gets strong again. But will it happen? Who knows? I decide instead to go downstairs for a cup of wine to help me relax. 
On the way down, I find my son standing with his pillow in his hand outside his bedroom door. He tells me he keeps having a nightmare that his grandma's house is in fi- on fire and it burns down. I get to hug him and reassure him like only a mommy can do. And for now, it's enough reason for me to feel okay about my decision to keep breathing. Will the feeling last? Probably not, but I'm taking it one tiny step at a time. My heart is still beating for now. Um, and I want to—I I just want to urge anybody that is that wants to send me something like that. It's okay if you send that to me in addition to calling somebody who is equipped to handle that. But I am not equipped to handle this kind of stuff. Um, it is. And, and sometimes it makes me, and I'm not trying to, to, to shame Dina. We, we've actually had a couple of emails um, since then. Um, but as much for you as me, um, I, I urge you when it's that serious and it's that close um, and you feel like you're going to harm yourself, call a suicide hotline or call 911. Um, she then sent uh, uh, an email uh, uh, weeks later after that and um she said um it just occurred to me that the reason i feel so alone is the people with whom i should feel the closest to and be able to open up to uh like i do with you are the are the ones i cannot be open with for one reason or another the difference between struggling with mental illness and battling suicidal thoughts is the difference between being able to lean on someone and feeling like i'm carrying the burden all by myself respectively does this ring true for you and it does um Think of support group. It's like creating the family you never had. Family being those who are supposed to embrace and support you no matter what. And then the reason I wanted to read this um, is her most recent uh, email. She writes, um, just wanted to send a quick update because I know you like to hear when people have reached out and are doing better. Spent a couple of miserable days in a hospital psych ward, but was then referred to an amazing outpatient program that teaches coping skills using dialectical behavior therapy. And for me, this has been a godsend. I'm learning to open myself to my feelings, be compassionate towards myself, and know how to deal with emotions so they don't completely, completely overwhelm me in a way that I have never been able to. Suddenly, life is manageable, uh, if not even sometimes joyful. It is mostly benefiting me, but those around me also positively affected, especially my family. Oh, I love that. Love that, love that, love that. Um, and finally, I want to read um, two happy moments. And the first one is from um, Loving Mom, and she writes, I dropped my six-year-old son off at his Autism Asperger's Friendship Society one night. Uh, they, were make, they were making a movie, and before any filming, um, they had circle time. They asked, what's the best gift you received? My son responded, my loving family. Then they asked, if you could travel anywhere, where would it be? My son said, anywhere my family is. He made the staff cry, and when I came to pick him up, I cried. What an amazing son and brother. Um, and then this last one is filled out by uh, Alexis, who is uh, transgender, uh, female to male. Um, and he writes, I went with my best friend to the 98 Degrees Boys to Men and New Kids on the Block concert this past summer. It was called the Package Tour, smiley. Uh, it was one of the first times I've ever felt happy to be a female. A little bit about myself. By the way, I'm not sure what the what the pronoun is um, 
so I might be butchering it, but um, a little bit about myself. Usually I envy guys because they seem like they can do anything, um, whatever they want. Um, they can go to places and have fun uh, freely with no worries. For me, as a lady, I constantly feel insecure being around, especially around other men. I feel so awkward and unwanted uh, or in other in other situations, I feel uncomfortable when around several men. I always had this incorrect belief that men do not have to worry about this. With this concert, the tables were turned. There were a bunch of women, varying ages, that were here to see 12 gorgeous singing men. My friends and I were able to talk to strange, strangers slash women about who were their favorite, uh, who we were here to see, how excited we were. We were freely able to eat and drink with no worries. We were able to act like teenagers again without feeling judged. It was great. The concert was great. Um, all the boy bands were catering to the ladies like gentlemen. I will never forget that concert and that feeling of sheer happiness. Um, and by the way, um, uh, Alexis identifies as straight uh, but curious of the, of the same sex. I'm sorry if I kind of stumbled through understanding exactly what her preferences uh, are, but I don't think that's important. I think happiness is happiness and um i hope you guys have a good week and um and i hope some of you come out to uh to podfest so um i can meet you in person and you can see a live taping and uh the website for that is lapodfest.com and if you're out there and you're struggling um i hope you know after listening to today's uh, episode that you know that you're not alone and uh, thank you for listening Everybody I know is bizarrely beautiful. Everybody I know is bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way.